Welcome to Light for the Journey, a podcast of Russell Memorial Methodist Church. In today's message, Pastor David Cartwright starts us on a Lenten journey of Jesus in the wild. Lessons on calling for life in the world. Uh, What is wilderness? Why does God allow or initiate our seasons of being there? Jesus had a calling and knew that the tempter would intensely oppose the completion of his life's mission. The same is true for us. We begin our journey by being reminded of why our testing is important. 1 Peter 1, 6-7 So we're embarking on a journey today, which may not exactly be the right way to put it, because what we're starting today is camping out in one spot. And camping may be a good way to put it, since... We're going to be in the wilderness. Uh, This text of Luke chapter 4 is going to be our text throughout the season of Lent. We'll weave some other scriptures in with it. But uh, this, this narrative of Jesus in the wild, Jesus being tempted by the tempter, that little spot, that, that 40 days of experience in his life between his baptism and the beginning of his uh, roughly three-year ministry, we're going to reflect on that. We're going to reflect on some very particular points along the way. Today, we're kind of getting ourselves prepared for it by thinking in terms of the, the experience of Jesus as a whole. And we need to remember that this, this has to do with Jesus's identity, who he was, his calling, his vocation, his, his personhood, who he was, who he was called to be as God's unique begotten son for the purpose of the gospel work that he had to do. And so these temptations aren't just, uh, they're, they're not random and they're not just for undermining anybody in particular, it is Satan's attempt to keep God's ultimate redemption purpose from happening. And so we first need to understand that this is a critical moment. It is a crucial moment of Jesus' ministry or preparation for ministry that he takes so very seriously. And just as Satan sought to keep Jesus from fulfilling his goal, he does the same for you and me. There is a a tempter whose purpose is to derail you from living a God-honoring life, to get you lost in your own wilderness, to, to take your legs out from under you, to get you confused about the things of God, however you want to put it, there is someone who works against you, and the Scripture is very plain about that. We need to be reminded about it today. This is why Paul writes in Ephesians six twelve that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the powers, against the, 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 uh, the forces of darkness in this world, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Paul understands that those who seek to serve God, have an enemy at work. 
That's why Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, to, to be sober and alert because, you, because the, the devil, your adversary, like a roaring lion, prowls around seeking someone to devour. The scriptures are not shy to remind us that there is a spiritual enemy that works against us. And the worst thing we could do is to pretend otherwise. So we go along this Lenten journey, just like Jesus went into the wilderness, so that he would be tested. We might say, um, we're going to check to see what's really in there. Anybody like to be tested? I don't think it's something we, any, we don't, don't really enjoy it, do we? It kind of produces anxiety, doesn't it? Um, we'll say more about that in a moment. Jesus goes into the wilderness so that he might be tempted. <clears throat> the wilderness is uh, a very particular kind of place. Now, if you go to Palestine, go to the Holy Land, you'll see that the wilderness is a very particular kind of place. It may not be what we think of as wilderness, or sometimes we use the word desert. You know, in our minds, desert is sand dunes and you know, beating down sun, which also is there during the summertime. Uh, wilderness there is very mountainous, very rugged. It's, it's, a, it's a desolate place. Um, but it's an image that I think some of us may struggle to appreciate because, let's face it, there are some of us in some ways who like the idea of wilderness, don't we? You take wilderness journeys. We go off into the wild. We go off into... Uh, Places where, you know, we're the backwoods, the mountains, we, we enjoy those places. And to an extent, for the same reason that we're understanding today about wilderness, because it tests us, it makes us step up our game a little bit. There's those places where uh, we find out what's really in there. Can we, do, do we have what it takes to live in the wilderness? As I was thinking about this, I thought about a, a TV show and I intentionally kept my phone in my pocket to share this. I don't know, some of you may be familiar. There's this uh, TV show that's apparently several seasons in now. It's a reality show called Alone. They uh, take these, you know, 10 or so contestants and they drop them off in these rugged, wild, out-of-the-way places with nothing more than maybe 10 or 12 items that they've chosen to take with them, and, and they just have to survive. And I wanted to share, because I think you'd appreciate the text. This is uh, on the History Channel's website, the introduction to Season 9 of the hit survival series Alone. And it says, quote, It delivers a fresh set of dangers and challenges for ten new participants. Equipped with just ten items of their choosing, the survivalists are dropped into a remote wilderness valley in Labrador, Canada. While documenting their experiences, each participant must survive in total isolation 
with hopes of outlasting everyone else to claim the $500,000 prize. Some of you just perked your ears up, didn't you? Mm. Tempting for about half a second. Not only must they endure hunger, loneliness, and the elements, but this season they'll become the hunted as they discover their location is situated deep in polar bear territory. No camera crews, no gimmicks. It is the ultimate test of the human will. It's interesting how that description resonates uh, a fair amount with what we read about Jesus. Similar kinds of experiences. Alone, desolate, hunted. Now, a little caveat on the description there about season nine. This is not the first time that they've become the hunted because all the, you know, the previous seasons, the contestants were exposed to, you know, mountain lions and wolves and bears. Oh, my. Um, you know, so they've been hunted before. Jesus was hunted, not, maybe not by wild animals, but there certainly was a tempter who was seeking to devour him. So what is it about the wilderness? It's, it's, it's rugged. It, it exposes our vulnerabilities. It tests us to see what's really in there. And that's exactly why Jesus goes to the wilderness. Because the wilderness is a place where our support structures are, are left behind. You know that friend group that uh, provides the context for you to stay on the straight and narrow, they're, they're gone. It's just Jesus and the one who seeks to undo him. Unless, of count you count the Holy Spirit who's filled Jesus to take him out there. It's an interesting image because we might say, well, you know, uh, maybe I'll have wilderness experiences even spiritual wilderness experiences. But in a sense, we all live in wilderness areas day to day. Places where we're vulnerable. Places where our support system may not be ready and present for us. Places where we are a little more likely to lay aside our identity in Christ in order to gain or satisfy something else? You know where it's real easy to behave? In church. Isn't it? Now let's just be honest. We come here and we do what? We, we behave. We put on our nice church personas, you know, we're probably not going to uh, get too far out of line as far as God's righteousness when we're surrounded by church people. The real test is when we leave and we're on the college campus or we are in the workplace at the water cooler or we're out uh, at, a, at a social function with uh, some of our non-church-going acquaintances. There are all kinds of things, whether, you know, away on the, on the business trip when you're, you have a hotel room and you're all alone and no accountability. 
we could make a long list. There's wilderness out there all over the place. Places where we are tempted, vulnerable to laying aside our faithfulness toward God. And as we walk through that wilderness that we call life, do we ever find times that we are disappointed with how we test? I do. Because I found that for whatever reason, I didn't stay faithful. And then for some reason, I'm surprised. Maybe I'm surprised because I hadn't really paid attention to where my weak spots were. Knowing your vulnerabilities is a good first step to being protected. Jesus goes out into the wilderness to be tested on this. And we'll, we'll get to those three temptations. Turn, turn the bread in, turn the rock into bread. Toss yourself down so the angels will bear you up. Bow down to me and I'll give you all of, the, all of the domains of the world. We'll get to those things. But in one way or another, they are all meant to challenge his faithfulness to his calling, his identity as the Son of God who came to be the Savior of the world. Will he give way to his vulnerability And you see, for Jesus, this, this, was not a, this was not a matter of, well, I can be 80% faithful. You know, I always felt like pretty good if I took a test and got 80%. That was, I mean, I wasn't an overachiever. <laughs> I thought, hey, you know, I did okay. But for Jesus, that's not good enough. He, he knew that what lay before him wasn't going to be accomplished if he could compromise on 20% of what he was called to do, or 10%, or 5%. He knew that he had to be tested and sure that in every way he could stay faithful because the crowds would turn against him. He couldn't rely on the crowds to stay faithful because they wouldn't. He couldn't rely on his 12 closest friends to stay faithful because in the end, they all ran. He couldn't, he couldn't rely on the religious establishment to hold him up because they're the ones who tossed him to the wolves in the first place. He couldn't rely on anything else, anyone else. He had to rely on the assurance of who he was in, in God with the Holy Spirit, that and that alone. And that's what the testing was about. We said a moment ago about testing that it creates anxiety, doesn't it? Why does test, regardless, a school test, uh, college preparation test, ACT, SAT, uh, driving exam, you go and take your road test, you name it, testing creates anxiety. Why? 
Come on, is why? There's always a possibility that you don't pass the test. If you knew you were going to pass the test, why worry? Testing creates anxiety because there's always the possibility that you might not pass. Is that true when we live day to day? Sometimes we don't pass the test. There's an interesting thing about Scripture, though, because it reminds us that that doesn't have to be the option. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, that no temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to man. And God is faithful, who along with every temptation will also provide the way of escape. He won't let you be tempted beyond what you're able to endure. He provides the way of escape so that you can endure the temptation. Did you ever figure Satan gets frustrated with God doing that? I mean, I can try to put myself in the place of the tempter. You know, how many times he's probably, you know, oh, man, I've got the trap for that Cartwright fella. There's no way he's going to get out of this. It is seamless. And on occasion, on occasion, Satan gets surprised because God's provided the way out and the Cartwright fella happened to choose it. Satan's probably going, would you stop doing that? I had the perfect trap. And God says, uh-uh. You may lay down the temptation, but I'm always going to provide the escape hatch. That Cartwright fellow may choose you, but he'll always have the option to choose me. It's not a gimme. We get tested all the time. Sometimes we pass. Sometimes we don't. There's a caution that I want for us to embrace today. And that caution really comes down to not, not taking the failures seriously enough. Now, please don't misunderstand me because God has grace. God has grace that is abundant. Read the book of Romans. You'll find that God, God's grace is abundant for our sin always. But there is a tendency on the human part to become too comfortable with the times that we don't pass the test. There was a brilliant, uh, I thought, a brilliant piece that we picked up on uh, doing the book study of uh, Mere Christianity written by C.S. Lewis. And there's a, there's a little paragraph in which he talks about this uh, he's talking about morality kind of in a general sense. And I, I wanted to share this with you because I think this... I mean, if you don't remember anything else about this message, I would and I hope keep this, keep this in mind. And I especially say this to, to young people, you know, high schoolers and college people, because I never thought about it when I was young. But he is so right in saying this. 
He says, quote, people often think of a Christian morality as kind of a bargain in which God says, if you keep a lot of rules, I'll reward you, and if you don't, I'll do the other thing. I do not think that is the best way of looking at it. I would much rather say that every time you make a choice, you are turning the central part of you, the part of you that chooses, into something a little different from what it was before. And taking your whole life as a whole, with all your innumerable choices, all your life long, you are slowly turning this central thing either into a heavenly creature or into a hellish creature. Either into a creature that is in harmony with God and with other creatures and with itself, or else into one that is in a state of war and hatred with God, with its fellow creatures, and with itself. That is a powerful way to think about our choices. We may think, well, it's just one little choice here, and it doesn't matter. But think about what he's saying. That choice does a little something to that part of you on the inside, and it turns it one way or the other. And then you start compiling choice after choice after choice after choice. Those things that either turn us into devices for Satan's work or devices for God's glory. And it happens one choice at a time. And ultimately, friends, we can say, well, you know, Jesus had so much on the line, of course he needed to go and, and, be, and be tested to make sure he would never, that he wouldn't fail at any part of his, at his mission. Sure. But my question would be, should we take it any less lightly? I know we're not Jesus. I know experience says we're going to stumble from time to time. But as, is that any reason that we shouldn't take it as seriously as he did? I don't think so. And that's why I invite you to take these seasons like Lent seriously. I won't dictate to you the disciplines that you should take up, things you should give up, or things you should take on. But what I am saying is that those, the, the seasons in which we intentionally make ourselves open and vulnerable before God are important because they can reveal to us the areas where we are more likely to fail Him as we make our way through the wilderness of this life. And if perhaps God might reveal one weakness to us and do a good work in us to shore up that weakness, praise God. We are that much better prepared to serve Him in the world. We're glad that you chose to spend this time with us in God's Word. You can watch our worship services online at www.rmmcwp.net. May the Lord grant you the light of His truth as you journey through this day.